Shalom Aleichem, Shavua Tov. To all of you listeners of this great station that beams only Divrei Torah, Divrei Musar, Divrei Torerut, of course, Divrei Halakha, religious music. This is uh, Rabbi Elbaz from SLC. I'm going to be talking about Parashat Hayisara. Parashat Hayisara talks about the Shiduch. Abraham Avinu sends his loyal servant, Eliezer, sends him to his original place where he was born, Haran, in order to bring a bride from his family, Esmolati from the family also. <laughs> Eliezer, of course, goes, and as soon as he gets there, he makes a wish. And the wish that he makes was that the young lady that comes in and I ask her to give me to drink and she gives me to drink and then she also says I will also give drink to your camels. He says that is the right person uh, for my master's son, it's Hank. Now first of all, we have to... Um, explain the fact that this is not kind of a nihush, it's not menahesh, it's not divinity, it's not, it's not kind of kishuv has shalom. According to Sfonu, this is a tefillah. It's a prayer. It's praying to Hashem that this should happen in order to facilitate his work, his task. But at the same time, you might say, but Abraham Avinu told him don't worry. You're going to be successful. Hashem is going to help you. That's true. But he wanted that the shlihut should be done through him. He should be the shaliyah to bring the bride for Yitzchak Avinu. So, so he's there and uh, of course she comes. And But his wish just came true. Now, question number one that we have here is, he told her, give me to drink, and she'll give him to drink. That's already hesed, isn't it hesed? No, he wants more than that. He wants that she should also give drink to his 10 camels. You know how much 10 camels are gonna be drinking? We're talking about uh, way, way over 140 gallons here. And you're talking about a, a kid versus a big man. Eliezer, according to Hazal, was a very strong man. Because when he came in with all his 10 camels, the Midrash says that Laban and Betuel, they were conspiring against him. They wanted to get rid of him and take all the camels and everything else. But then when they looked out the window and they saw that he was, as he was crossing upon the water and the camels didn't, uh, somehow didn't want to cross it, he picked up a whole camel and crossed over the water. So when they saw that, uh-oh, change of plan now. They changed their mind. They're not going to fight him. They're going to poison him. They're going to put poison in his food. They did that, but then 
the malach came and he switched plates. And who ate the plate with the poison? Betuel, the father of Rivka. That's, that was the end of him. So, question is, why uh, Eliezer has to ask her, Rivka, that she should give to the camels also? I mean, she could say to him, look, <laughs> look, uh, I, I, I am just a, a child, you know, you, you're such a big man. Uh, you were asking me to bring water for all these camels? She didn't. She actually followed through. But why did he have to force her to do that or ask her to do that? Second question is, after she gave the drink to everybody, it says that the man took a ring, a gold ring, it was the weight of that ring was beka. Beka is hatsi shekel. So he gave it one beka, one, one uh, ring which is which weighs one beka. Then he gave her two bracelets, ushne simidim aliyadeh, two bracelets. Asara zahav mishkalam. These bracelets actually weighed ten shekel of gold. That's a sizable amount. Fine. So Rashi said, why it's exactly one beka, not two, not three? Why only two bracelets? And why 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 Asaraza have exactly ten shekel and not eleven or nine? So he gives a remez. He says, he was meramestua. He was hinting to Rivka that the beka is what the Bnei Israel will be giving in the future will be giving Hatsi Shekel, Beka la Gulgolet. Each one has to give Hatsi Shekel for Korbanot Sibur. And what about the bracelets? Okay, two bracelets because there's two Lohot. Asara Zehav, ten, because of the Ten Commandments. Asarita Diberot. This is the remez that he's giving, Elias is giving to Rivka. Question is, why 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 does he have to give this this, this remazim? What for? What is the, the significance of this remazim? First, let's answer the first question. The question was why he asked her to also go beyond a, a regular courtesy of just giving to drink, but also go ahead and give the drink to the camels because... He comes from the home of Abraham Avinu. Abraham Avinu was practicing not just plain hesed, but he was uh, super hesed. I mean, there's hesed and there's super hesed. Hesed is you, you give somebody, somebody comes to you, you give him something to eat, and that's it. Super hesed is, as we see in last week's parasha, parashat Bayera. When the three people came to him, and what did he serve them? And the Midrash says he took three calves. And from those calves, he took three tongues and gave each served each one a tongue. 
three calves for three people? Three calves is enough for a hundred people. And then he tells his wife, Mahari, he said, Tell, go, go, come on, quick, take shelosh se'im kemah soet. Three se'im of solid, of flour. Lushi, bake. Three se'im, do you know what that is, three se'im? We're talking about 40, 50 pounds, maybe more. It's a huge amount for three people. That's super hesed. He wanted to see if Rivka would fit in in the home of Abraham, where just plain hesed is not enough. She can do more than plain hesed. Yes, I'll give you to drink, but you know what? I'm going to do more than that. I'm going to give all your 10 camels. It's going to take a big effort. It's not going to be easy, but I'm going to do it. So he was satisfied with that point. But there is something more than that. The Kenanim were of the Abu Dazara. In Haran, even her folks, they were of the Abu Dazara. There was a difference. But there was a big difference between the two. The Kenanim were Mushhatim, corrupt. But here, you see, there is some amount of hesed in there. Uh, when he came, you know, they told him, come, uh, yeah, we have food for you, you know, for your camels, you know, you can sleep over, not a problem. They're different. They may be, but that, you know, something like that, you can change the mind of a person, but when you have a certain midara'a, a bad midah, that is very difficult to, uh, to change. But they had midatova, hesed. But then he wanted to see, to, to give her a hint. You see, in the home of Abraham Avinu, there are three things involved. Like Pirkei Avot says, devarim ha'olam The world stands on three things. Ala Torah, Avodah, and Gemilot Hesed. Gemilot Hesed is terrific, but there's also Torah, the study of Torah the fulfillment of the Mitzvot. Also the Avodah, prayers in the synagogue, prayers to Hashem, or the Avodah in Avodah the Korbanot in the Beit HaMikdash. He wanted to give her a hint, a remez. Rivka, Biti, my dear young lady, yes, you have one Midah, which is Hesed, but I want to give you a hint. In the home of Abraham Avinu, we need more than that. We need the Torah and the Avodah. Beka la Golgolet. That was a hint for the Korbanot Sibul. That's the Avodah. And Asara Zahab, the two bracelets are the Luhod, the Ten Commandments. That's the Torah. He's giving her a remez. You have Gemirut Hesed, but you need more and also the Torah and the Avodah. And that was the remez that he gave her. Now, as we're talking about the Shidduch and Shidduchim in general, I want to mention something interesting. Uh, the Gemara and Mu'ayt Katan says that there are three places where the Tanakh, in the Tanakh, which uh, describes the fact that 
השידוך יש פרום הקדוש ברוך מת השם, comes from השם. There is proof from the Torah, there is proof from the Nevi'im, and there is proof from the Ketubim. From the Torah, well, what we had in our parasha. After Eliezer finished his talk, and he asked them, well, you know, is Rivka going to come with us? So they said, Vayya'an lavan uptu'el vayomeru מהשם יצא הדבר. They said, oh, listen, מהשם יצא, this is something from השם. שידוך is from השם. This is the proof from the Torah. But there's an, a proof also from the Nebiim. Where? From Shimshon. Shimshon saw a beautiful woman, Delilah. He wanted her. He was dazzled by her beauty. And he told his parents, this is the one I want. Of course, his parents objected because she was not, she was not Jewish. She was from the Plishtim. But as Chazal say, eventually he converted her before he married her. But that's what he wanted. But then it says, His parents did not know that this is from Hashem. Hashem wanted it that way, that Shimshon should marry Delilah. This is the proof from the Nevi'im. What about the Ketubim? Ketubim in Mishle. There is a Pasuk in Mishle. Bayit Vahon Nahalat Abot. A home and wealth that can be inherited from the parents and the grandparents. However, when it comes to a woman, it's from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. A wise woman is going to come from Hashem. Despite the wealth and everything else, but the wise woman from Hashem. So here we have a proof from the Torah, a proof from the Nevi'im, and a proof from the Ketubim. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. I mean... It's obvious to us all, knowing how people meet each other, that it's definitely is Hashgachah from Hakadosh Baruch Hu here. I mean, I've done uh, you know a couple hundred weddings in my lifetime. Many times I ask the couples, "How did you meet?" And most of the time, it, it's 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 so far fetched uh, that. You see that it had to be, the hand of Hashem had to be in there. I'll give you an example. There was a couple that came to me, and they were living both on the same block. One, the boy was living on one side of the block, the girl on the other side of the block, but they never knew each other for years. Never knew each other. One time, one night, there was a blackout. Canadison had a blackout. Now, Canadison does not have blackouts very often. But that night, they had a blackout. A blackout was a summertime. People, you know, air conditioners were not working. A lot of people went out in the street. So this boy goes out to the street. The girl goes out to the street. And, hey. They see each other, they start talking. 
and to talk and talk. They, I mean, they've been there for years, but they never knew each other. The rest is history. It ended up with being married, the two of them. Hashem had to have that blackout from Kanadison in order for this shidduch to happen. Well, perhaps we should call uh, Kanadison have <laughs> more blackouts. Uh, maybe we can have more shidduchim. At any rate, it says Hashem. But the question that comes up is, why do we have to have three different proofs from the Torah, from the prophets, and from the Ketubim. What do I do? I mean, every single mitzvah, everything that we have is from the Torah alone. The mitzvah of Tefillin, for example. Do we need a proof from the Torah, the Nebim, and the Ketubim? No. It says, And that's it. The Torah says so, that's it. Shabbat, Torah says so, that's it. Sukkot and the Torah, Lulav, Etrog, Shofar. We don't have, I mean, that everything is just a Torah. But here, seems like there's some kind of a reason why you should have a, a proof from both the Torah, the Nebim, and the Ketubim. Well, there was a, a rabbi. His name was Rabbi Shmuel Yafe Ashkenazi. He was from Constantinople in Turkey in the 16th century. As a matter of fact, he wrote a sefer called Yefe Toar. He was a very practical man. Great rabbi, but very practical. So he says, you know what? The Torah wanted to include every category of a shidduch. Let me explain. So he says there are really three categories. Sometimes a young man meets a young lady and he likes the he likes her because of her midot, her virtues, her qualities. She's a kind and generous person. She comes from an excellent family, miyohesed, things like that. The midot. And that's what he, he marries her because he, he sees the midot are great. That's one case. Then he says, you know, sometimes a young man meets a young lady and he's dazzled by her beauty. He's mesmerized by the way she looks. And when he sees that, everything else drops out. He doesn't care anymore. He likes her for her beauty and he goes and marries her. Other times, a third example is, a third category is, a young man marries the girl because of her wealth. He comes from a rich family. He wants to hit the jackpot, like winning in the lottery. You're married to a rich family, you haven't made. This is Rabbi uh, Shmuel Yafiyash Kenazi, a very practical man. So he says the Torah wants to actually address all three categories. The first category, which is the Midot, that is about Rivka. Rivka Yimenu, shows Ba'alat Midot, Ba'alat Derecheres, Ba'alat Hesed, even Super Hesed, as we mentioned before. That was the case. That's the case number one. Case number two was because of the uh, Shimshon. Shimshon, he took Delilah because she was beautiful. The beauty. 
That's the second case. Third case, Bayit Vahon, wealth, home, that may be inherited, but from Hashem comes the woman. Here we're talking about wealth. So we cover, cover all of them. Regardless of the situation, it's always from Hashem, no matter what. This is a very important concept that we have in Judaism, that a shiduch is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You want a shiduch? You have to pray to Hashem. He is the one who orchestrates, who plans and actually puts into realization who's, who's, who's going to marry who. I just want to digress a little bit and mention the following. There are other kinds of shiduchim, other types altogether. For example, there's a, of course, there's a shiduch between a couple, a shiduch between the Bnei Israel and the Torah. Yeah, there's a shiduch. It's a marriage. Just like a regular shiduch, the groom takes responsibility to love, to respect, to support, uh, to even sacrifice if, if necessary for his bride. Same thing, the Bnei Israel. We have to love, respect, cherish, support, and, and, and sacrifice if necessary for our Torah. In fact, it's so similar that on Shavuot, the Sepharadim have what they call a ketubah. There's, there's a ketubah that we read when you open the Sefer Torah on Shavuot and lists the obligations that we, the Bnei Israel, have towards the Torah. It's a beautiful, uh, a beautiful ketubah, and it's, very, it's written very nicely. But there is also another kind of a shidduch, and there's a shidduch between the Bnei Israel and Eretz Israel. That's also a shidduch. What does that mean? Before the Bnei Israel came to Eretz Canaan, the Canaanim, they were corrupt. Oh, the Avodazara, corrupt, immoral, Shufchedamim. So Hashem said, Eretz Israel is different from the other lands. It's not like France or England or America or Zimbabwe or Russia. No, Eretz Israel is a land that can only accept people that are morally sound. If there is murder, if there is shfichud damim, if there is immorality, then no good. It will not take them. This is what it says, Velo taki ha'ares etchem. Eres Israel is meki, meaning like it, it vomits out. It throws out from its land. If the people that are there, they are not morally sound. Eres Israel is not, it's not one them. Throw them away. No, we went to Galut, because of, uh, you know, the, the, the Abu Dazara that they had uh, before that. But, and other things, Baruch Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch Hu did us a great favor, first of all. In the 2,000 years that 
the Bnei Israel were in Galut. Did you know this? Look into the history. What was going on in Eretz Israel at the time, those 2,000 years? There were many different nations that occupied it. What did they do? Anything? No. The land was always desolate, was not prosperous, was no activity, nobody cared. But Hashem did that on purpose so that when the Bnei Israel come, the right the rightful people will come. They will live there and develop the country. Look what it is right now. Anyone who goes to Eretz Israel, look what it is. Compare it to what it was 70 or 80 years ago or 200 years ago. No comparison whatsoever. The rightful owner came. There is a shiduch here. In Eretz Israel nowadays, there's Baruch Hashem. Plenty yeshivot, plenty of Talmudim learning, but take nesiot. It's, it's unbelievable. The rightful owner is there. They will stay there because they are following what the Torah says. If you follow this, on the other hand, if there is shfichut damim, if there is immorality, then they don't belong to the land. It's what's happening with the Arabs nowadays. Shmichut damim. Pashut, shmichut damim. They come from nowhere, they just go ahead and hit. They could never be the owners of the land. Hashem doesn't want them. Hashem will vomit them. The land will vomit them. Let me just add something. Look at the dishonesty of the Palestinians. Those of you who remember the Oslo Accords, they, they signed them the, uh, at that time in the, the mid-90s, 1990s. The, the prime minister was also Benjamin Netanyahu, and he signed on it. And who else signed on it? Arafat and Abbas, who is here today, he also signed. Now, one of the, I think, the, the, those are calls, you know, it said that, uh, uh, that uh, Israel will give uh, sovereignty uh, to most of the lands of the West Bank and so on and so forth. And also it said that Hebron also should be returned to the Palestinians. In 1996, a big delegation of distinguished American Jews, wealthy, highly educated, from nobility, they had a meeting with the prime minister at the time was Netanyahu, like today. And they urged him, please don't give up Hebron. Don't give up Hebron. Try well, he took that into consideration, but at the end, he did give back Hebron. Why? Because that was part of the agreement. He signed on the agreement. He honored the agreement. But what happened to Abbas in Mashimov? What did he do? Two weeks ago, he says, we are not bound any longer with the Oslo Accords. Finished. 
His signature means nothing. Dishonest people. You know what he said? This guy, Abbas, was supposed to be the moderate. You know what he said uh, at the United Nations? Mr. President, ladies and gentlemen, haven't you wondered how long this protracted Israeli occupation of our, last, uh, of our land? After 67 years, how long the occupation keeps on going? Notice what he says. 67 years. You know what he means? Occupation? 67 years? He's not talking about the West Bank. The West Bank is not 67 years. He's talking about the whole land, the whole Israel. Mishuga. He's talking about the whole Israel. He's not... These people cannot face reality. The reality is the land of Israel belongs to its right owner and is the Bnei Israel. He still keeps thinking, oh, occupation. The whole of Israel is talking about, about the Haifa, not about the West Bank, it's about Haifa, Tel Aviv, everything. 67 years. Rabutai, it shall never happen. Vataki ha'ares et yoshevea. Meaning, the land will never accept these people anyhow. The rightful owner is the Bnei Israel. Rabutai, I want to finish by again mentioning to everybody that uh, this station is a very special, a beautiful station. He needs help, and we hope that your contributions uh, will be sufficient to keep on to keep the uh, this, this uh, station going. Also, uh, by the end of this week, our social hall will be completed. We made a very huge uh, renovation. Uh, it's it's completely different, a completely different look. Very very beautiful and stunning ballroom. If you have any simha, whether it is a wedding, bar mitzvah, brit milah, whatever, pidyon ben, look us up. I'm sure you'll be satisfied with it. Shalom Aleichem and Shavua Tov.